0: Hey, y'all, it's me, Jess Bubaco, and I am excited to be here with you on the Waking Up with Jess podcast. Each week, I'll invite you to wake up to your inner knowingness, get creative, and march to the beat of your own drum in your business and life. We'll dive into different subject areas from business, to health, to work, relationships, and beyond. On the podcast, we'll get raw, honest, and real, keeping it a little bit personal, a little bit educational, and most importantly, we're going to have a lot of fun. Each episode, you'll feel like you're sitting down at a coffee shop having an intimate conversation with a few of your best friends. Join me each week as I act as your confidant and friend who loves the heck out of you and wants to see you shine. Come along and wake up with a cup of Jess. Hey everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I am very excited because I have a fellow Connecticut person on the podcast today. We actually actually didn't go to high school together. I think we just missed each other um, uh, by about a year in high school. But I have with me Brian Von Anken, who is a total wellness facilitator who previously founded a mindful social workout called Anchor. He is currently the head of partnerships at Othership, the world's best breathwork app. He was an early stage employee at Tough Mutter and helped build a men's emotional wellness organization, Everyman. He is certified in emotional wellness facilitation, breathwork, and group fitness. He also has a BA from Tufts University and a JD from Brooklyn Law School. His mantra is know yourself and have fun. Brian, thanks so much for being here today
1: yeah hey that's me thanks so much uh and yeah let's go Eagles Trumbull high school
0: let's go Trumbull high Eagles i don't know if I told you this but i was a cheerleader so i don't know
1: just... if i told you this i was captain of the football team
0: i know you did tell me that i was yeah. i was captain of the cheerleading squad two years in a row so look at us oh, being wow. like Trumbull high eagle overachievers over here
1: if only our high school versions of ourselves could see us on a podcast right now <sighs> called love your woo i'd, I'd love to to show that to them.
0: (laughs) Totally. I couldn't agree more. It's so funny. You say that I've thought about that multiple times. It's like my high school self looking at what I do now, I think potentially would have been a bit disappointed because I thought I was going to be like the head of a hospital or something as it related to something very academic, but here we are and it's all good. So
1: yeah. I mean, high school selves are, are so interesting, right? Everyone has their different experience with high schools, but I, I know that for me, I was actually, I um, was kind of living a double life. So I was, I was, yes, I was captain of the football team, but I also loved theater. And so I was like, you know, doing plays on the side. And, and I, I kind of remember at that time, at least high school musical hadn't come out yet. So people weren't allowed to be both. And uh, I, I just was like, yeah, kind of, ashamed of of both sides with with the the people that I would interact with in some degree and so um yeah just I think there's like so much you can learn from those ways in which you shield yourself or you're not authentic to what you really want at certain times for other people and so um yeah it's always fun to to think back on on those those times
0: totally you were like the original Zac Efron
1: I your words not mine (laughs) I I don't know I was playing football, <laughs> not basketball, but yes. Yes. I that love could it. Have been, could have been Zach. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I'm really excited to have this conversation today because I feel like you are involved in a lot of really interesting um I want to say different avenues. Like, there's, I love how you are working in like emotional wellness, physical wellness, like, kind of many different avenues that you're bringing together in your work in different places. So, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, your own personal journey and how you got here from being in sort of that split space of, you know, compartmentalized life. And, you know, am I supposed to be this? Am I supposed to be that? Whatever, to doing the work you're doing today.
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to to share the story. So uh, the way that I like to think about it is um, for a long time, I lived the should life. And so, I, you know, I did what was expected of me, you know, you really, you should go to a good school. And, uh, you know, you really should get a good job. And, you know, law school is something that a lot of people do who are successful, you should do this. And it's just like, I I don't think I was very conscious of it, but but there were a lot of ways in which for a while I was living my life based on these societal shoulds that um, ultimately weren't what I wanted, but they were getting me these external validations that kept pushing me forward to the next wrong. And I think everybody does this to some degree, um, you know. And and I like I actually wrote an article a couple of years ago called "Leaving the Should Life," and and I go into how you know, this happens for everybody, but not just through those broad senses, but also the word should itself is just such a disease on our language. Um, so if you look at the word should, it's, it's like the 13th most used verb over things like need and want. And like, there's so many people who are using it, and they don't necessarily want to do the thing, or they're not committing to do the thing. They're not taking ownership, but they're just, oh, I should work out, or you should do this. And it's, it's very passive, but it's also it's subconsciously like really, really not good for us. And there's actually languages out there that don't have the word "should," which is crazy. That it just like it doesn't need to be a part of our language, but it's become so popularized, especially in modern English and specifically in America. Um, anyway, I could talk about shoulds all day. Uh, so to get back to it, led the should life. Um, was really focused on physical health. Uh, played college football. Uh, went to law school. I ended up working at a company called Tough Mudder. So I was one of the early employees at Tough Mudder. We did this, like, for those of you who don't know, like 13 mile obstacle course event where it wasn't about um, how fast you finish it, but it was about doing it with your friends, camaraderie, teamwork, overcoming obstacles. We had obstacles such as electroshock therapy where we would actually like electrically shock people in a safe way, Uh, you know, Arctic enema where you'd go in a freezing cold plunge, which, it's kind of come full circle, as you'll hear later on what I'm doing now. But it was, uh, you know, these really um, kind of tongue-in-cheek playful events where people were demonstrating their tough prowess as a way to, like, be a weekend warrior and get away from their, their corporate jobs. And, and I was really proud of it, loved the job, loved everything about it, and um, things were kind of going according to plan. I, I had married my high school sweetheart. And I kind of was, uh, sorry, <laughs> college sweetheart. I'll, I'll say that it, uh, just because there might be Trumbull high school people listening. Um, I don't
0: think there are but potentially yeah, maybe yeah one. yeah yeah
1: maybe one but uh so anyway uh what ended up happening is life threw me a curveball in the form of uh miscarriages and divorce and I didn't really know how to handle that experience. Um I things had already gone according to plan and uh you know, I family is something that's so important to me. So for that to blow up in my face and, and to feel out of control of that, uh, it was just devastating. And I think it made me realize that I wasn't taking care of these other aspects of health that, that I kind of had taken for granted. Um, you know, the mental side of things, the emotional side of things, social wellness. And so what I ended up doing is I left Tough Mutter. I traveled for a year, went around the world, um, was lucky enough to spend time in Kauai and Japan and Bali. A lot of time in Bali and then in uh, Europe for a while, road trip the US and it just just all the while I was accumulating experiences that were intentionally done for me to bolster those other aspects of health that are really important to me. So I um did a silent retreat for 10 days. I'd never meditated for more than 10 minutes. I did a silent retreat for for like one of those big vipassanas, and you're just like, I was um completely. Uh, thrown in the deep end on that, and can tell more stories about how impactful that was for me. But did other things like yoga retreats and uh, you know men's work and uh, jujitsu. Anyway, all different types of things that I tried, and really got myself to the point where I realized that all of these things were so great, but none of them were speaking to people like me, like people who grew up in Trumbull, Connecticut, and maybe, you know, had a little bit of, it was hard for them to lean into the woo. And so I, I came back to New York city and I decided to start my own company. I'd always wanted to start my own thing. I had been putting it off for a while. I'd always entered the entrepreneurial contest at Tough Butter, and like did well. And I was like, you know, what? I'm finally going to do it. And it's funny. Cause I can like, I, I would love to, at some point get into that more. Cause it sounds so simple where I say it in that sentence, but it was a very long process for me to get the courage to actually start my first company. And so I did that. Uh, I launched in co-working spaces in New York City. It was called Anchor. It was a mindful social workout where I was trying to combine the aspects of breathwork, of meditation, of vulnerable sharing into a bootcamp style workout. And so we were doing well in co-working spaces in New York and uh, then COVID hit. And I was like, okay, guess we're going online. And I pivoted and we created an online community that I was really proud of during the pandemic I offer um our classes were every day we offer them for free for the first four months of the pandemic because everybody was just so uncertain and it just felt like this was a nice home place where we can be honest reflect on how we're feeling feel more connected especially when we were all in quarantine and it was great And, and so I did that for about a year and a half and um you know, was able to learn a lot and grow it to a point where we had a couple hundred members, you know, thousands of people had done the classes, but, uh, ultimately was having trouble. I was a solo bootstrapped founder, which was just, it was a first time. It was just a lot of stress. I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. I, I literally, we filmed the promo, but by the way, I'm talking so much. Do you have any questions? I have, have okay. them
0: all in my head. Don't worry. Okay, just keep going.
1: Good. Uh, so I, I was actually filming a promo video for Anchor and I, I was doing push-ups, and they had me do so many takes that I like burst my bicep and I, I like hurt myself filming the wow. promo video, which then I had to teach workout classes on top of that and I was mentally stressed. So it just got to the point where I, I didn't feel like I was authentically getting at what I wanted to be doing. And so I started to realize I needed to learn how to be an entrepreneur. So I joined a couple entrepreneurial communities and I um, some great ones out there like Day One or On Deck, which I would highly recommend. And I met um, I met this guy uh, Robbie, who's uh, was starting this breathwork app, and I really loved breathwork as a modality, and I could see it being the next big thing. And so, uh, joined up on Othership and you know, helping them with growth and partnerships, and been doing that for about a year. And that's the not so that's a long story, not so short of of my story, I guess. <laughs>
0: I love it. I think that sharing our stories is so important because I think it's how people relate and resonate and are able to see a pathway forward that maybe they haven't been able to see before. Because I don't know about you, but my only examples growing up of entrepreneurship were people who had, I don't want to say failed, but had not succeeded, were not open-minded to taking other people's advice or trying new things. And so when I first started out in my entrepreneurial journey, I carried so much anxiety because I had mm-hmm. so much subconscious fear around, I'm going to be like them. Like, I'm going to be like these people who failed in their entrepreneurial pursuits, or were getting in trouble with the law or whatever it may have been. So I think that when we can tell our story, it's something that allows people to go like, oh, I resonate with that. Oh, I've burned myself out as an entrepreneur before too. And oh, there's, you know, different options available to me, et cetera. So I think that's awesome
1: yeah and and just quickly on that point, i I think the other al- angle to that that's important to recognize is expectations of success and timelines. Like I know that I had a couple hundred members, I had thousands of people done the class, and that somehow wasn't satisfying to me, and I expected to be so successful overnight. And really, um, you know, looking back, there's a part of me that wishes I had more appreciation for the level of um, buy-in that I was able to get and to like, get rid of some of those unrealistic stories that you hear from whatever Steve jobs or other like ridiculously successful entrepreneurs. So yeah, I hear it. It's kind of both sides of, of the coin on that.
0: I think that's an extremely important conversation to have as well, because I mean, I don't know the circles that you're involved with on the internet, but it's so easy to represent what a business looks like on the front end to people, you know, especially now just even being able to travel all over the world or be, you know, a, a digital nomad and things like this. It's easy to make life look a certain way or to be going on oh, making, you know, this amount of money in my business, or I have this many people, but we really don't actually know what it looks like behind the scenes as the person bursting their biceps because they're burned out and they're not taking care of themselves or they looking like they have a lot of money, but they actually really don't like there's so there's so much smoke and mirrors. And so I think it's a really important question to look at is like, what does success mean to you? And so I'm curious Mm -hmm. for you in that you've been through this journey, right? Where you were working at Tough Mudder and, you know, you had um, the marriage and the, this and the, that, like, what does success mean to you at this point in your life?
1: yeah I mean, it's it's a really great question. And um I wish that I had a pithy response where I could say to you, like, my success is x million dollars and this, this, and that. but um the reality for me is that uh, family and freedom are so important. And so I'm just doing my best to create a life whereby I'm able to spend time the way that I'd like to and make sure that I'm taking care of uh, my family and my, my future family. I, I just got married again, which I'm really excited about a couple months ago. And so God willing, if, if we're able to have uh, children, you know, to be in that position where not only am I providing from a financial perspective, but I'm being in the world in a way that I can feel proud to um, connect with those you know, potential kids. And um, so, you know, I don't have the exact answer of what success looks like in terms of um, the job exactly. I mean, if I were to think like five, 10 years in in the future, I would love to own a, you know, wellness facility and and, uh, not so far from the city and to uh, be able to have some land and a place that I could uh, play around in. And create unique experiences for people. Um, but, but who knows we'll we'll see.
0: Yeah. I feel like success goes so much bigger than just a number in the bank. And I think, um, you know, I've had, I actually, last time I was home in Connecticut, I was talking to my dad about success and we were actually talking about how, um, I think they were saying the male suicide rate men and they're like, i think white males in their 60s and 70s is uh, maybe 50s is like really really through through the roof and my dad was saying how he um you're just talking about the perspective of being a man and providing and all of these kinds of things and so i feel like what you're bringing into the conversation around like emotional well-being as well is so incredibly important because there's so much more to the story than just what success looks like from a financial or a monetary perspective. So I'm curious, what, what was the moment for you? Cause you described having like turmoil in your relationship and challenge, you know, challenges with, um, fertility and things like that. So what was it that made you realize that just the physical side wasn't necessarily addressing everything or like what, what woke you up to the emotional mental side of things?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was really just um, looking back, I had developed some a bit of codependence, if I'm being honest, in the sense of like, when I was with my ex, there was a dynamic that I didn't really get out of that much. And when I was on my own, I realized how much I hadn't kind of fully felt into my own identity and what's important to me and, I. I realized how alone I was. I mean, I, when, when I did, I didn't diversify my relationships uh, you know, not that I was looking for poly or anything like that. It's more like I, my deep connections were mostly my partner and my parents and my sister. And um, I didn't know how to talk to my friends. Like I have friends that I would take a bullet for me, but I had no idea how to tell them I was hurting. Which gets to what you were saying before, that like, it's just, there's some circles of men that just um, have these deep connections, but don't know how to actually talk about them. And so as I was hurting, as I was going through this difficulty, I didn't know how to get support. And, uh, you know, I think also therapy was something that at least when I was there in trouble, wasn't necessarily people weren't signing up for that like crazy. And And so I definitely was averse to that. And And so I think there wasn't necessarily one specific moment other than just, I remember the moment when I was just like finally by myself and like, this was definitely happening. And it was just this immense panic around how much I didn't feel equipped to, to deal with what was to come. And, and then it became this gradual process where I just learned, you know, to get into like emotions. Like I, I, you know, who the heck teaches you emotions? Like, nobody teaches you how to feel them, what they are. It's like, you know, there's all these phrases in the world, like, I'm catching feelings, or you made me feel something. Like, it's like, they're, they're used, but I don't think people really understand what they are. And so, as I was able to do some, like, um, somatic men's work, I was able to realize that, like, emotions are bodily functions like you know they're not necessarily too different from a sneeze or something like that where you just like your body is trying to feel something it's trying to do something that evolutionarily it's programmed to do to help it feel safe to help it feel regulated and if you are able to give it permission to do the things that it needs to do a lot of times you're going to feel better than than you did before um, and so I am I, a big proponent of teaching people, educating people about uh, emotional intelligence and, and what it what it is and how to feel emotions.
0: Yeah. What was it like for you as and I agree about it's it is it's a it is a bodily function and I don't know why we it's funny when I moved out to like Colorado and out West and people were like much more connected with talking about their feelings and emotions and spirituality and like kind of leaving the East Coast bubble, um, was really interesting. So I agree. I think, um, it's interesting. We're not taught to feel our emotions or experience them or like there's this connotation put over them right that they're bad or we shouldn't feel them or if you feel an emotion it means that and it's like no it's actually just incredibly normal so i'm curious what started to shift for you as you started to incorporate this more like emotional healing mental well-being with the physical aspects of um, fitness
1: yeah um Before we answer that, I have a question for you. I'm just curious. Yeah. We talked about emotions. Like, what emotion is hardest for you to fully engage with? If if we if we think about to me, there's five major emotions. There's fear. There's anger. There's sadness. There's shame. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now I'm doing that Rick Perry moment where like you list five things and you've only listed four. Uh, What fear, anger, sadness, joy. Joy, of joy. course. Joy. Oh. How could I forget about joy? So if, yeah. like, yeah. Is there, are there any particular emotions that you feel like are hard to fully feel or, or engage with?
0: I want to say sadness. Mm. I think that's the one because I, I connect deeply with anger and I never did before. And I always was ashamed of anger, mm. but I realized how much it's an important feedback mechanism to go like, Oh, I'm I'm crossing my own boundary or someone is crossing my boundary and I need to say something. So when Mm. I started to look at anger from a place of going like, oh, this is, this is feedback. It started to change yesterday. I, um, or two days ago, I was, I'm going to probably laugh as I'm talking about it. It's not that funny, but I was walking down the street and there was a car and it, it had like a, you know, those like advertising stickers people put on their car? <laughs> and mm-hmm. It was, it had a horse on it and it said like peanuts, pets, pets care or something. But it just like didn't make sense. <laughs> like it was just, and I started cracking up laughing. I called my <laughs> brother in law and I, cause he's like a ball buster. And I was like, what does this mean? And I started <laughs> crying, like laughing so hard, I started crying. And then I just was crying and I was like, Mm. Oh my God, I was sad today and I didn't even know it. So it's like, I think that's an emotion that I'll easily push down to then be like, it's all good. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm doing my thing. So I think that's the big one for me.
1: Cool. No, that's fascinating. And, uh, didn't mean to hijack, but I was just curious of of that. Mine's the same as like just growing up, uh, playing football, you get hit. You're not allowed to, be sad about that or you're not really allowed to you know fully feel what you might want to feel in that moment and um it's been very interesting to kind of let that unlock and to be able to be more comfortable with that as it comes up and now now it's great it's like i can go see a pixar movie and let it let it rip and cry it out if i need to and um and, and yeah just be more attuned like you're saying to the moments in your day whereby there might be something that is like oh okay yeah i, I i'm sad here. That's interesting. Let me find some space to sit with it so that I can kind of work through
0: it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Let me get back to your, to the question though. So uh, remind me of the question one more time. It was, what was the question was,
0: as you started to integrate mental, physical, and emotional wellness, what started to shift in your life?
1: Yes. So really what, what came down to for me is uh, I think I was Very, very anxious without knowing it. I I came across very confident and relaxed, but deep down there was an anxiety that I was holding on to. And I think I was in fight or flight mode way off, way more often than I thought. And so by starting to go through and do the work, I was able to kind of let go and loosen some of those feelings of anxiety. And I could just literally like feel more comfortable in my own body. Like I think if you were to like touch my back in before that work, I was like so tight and I thought it was because I was so strong, but I think it was also because I was just like gripping on subconsciously to things. And so the ability to like release and be able to um, get back into a rest and digest kind of state uh, and to also just feel empowered, I think is a big thing where it's like, okay, I'm going through life. Like things are going to happen. I'm going to feel things, but now I'm like, okay, I have this toolkit where I kind of feel like I know that I can depend on um, my men's group to take care of, you know, help support me in a difficult situation. Or if I feel really, really anxious, I can do some breath work and I can like wind myself down or even just knowing myself better. I think it makes me a better partner where it's like, I know that these are my tendencies and my patterns and it allows my partner to see them in me. It allows me to catch them sooner. So I'm not projecting all of my stuff out on. I remember it, I would be so angry in traffic, like ah, traffic, and I don't really feel that as much anymore. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that I'm, I'm not holding on to as much of that tension that I was uh, before.
0: Totally, I really deeply relate to what you said about the anxiety piece and like constantly being anxious and being in fight or flight mode. Like I can remember a few years ago, my parents just saying to me, like, you're so anxious. And I'm like, I'm not anxious. I'm happy. But I was like constantly on edge, but it's so easy to hide when the rest of life looks good. Like when you have the things you quote, like you said, should have, it's easy to be like, no, I'm making great money or I have a relationship or I have a house or I have whatever, like I'm good. So, um, those little, at least for me, there was like a moment in time where I had something happen in a relationship and I was like, I'm actually not okay. And I am actually always anxious and I do need to look at it. So I feel like sometimes it's not until we have those big moments of something going wrong or not working out the way that we think that they're supposed to work out that kind of creates those, those, uh, alarm bells or those waking up moments, if you will.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what kind of um, stumps me a bit right now and, and I'm trying to work on because uh, it's it's sad that it takes a divorce or losing a job or the loss of a loved one for us to find the space and the time for us to start to take care of those other aspects of health. And so what I'm really curious about and what I want to help bring to the world is awareness and opportunity for people who might not necessarily have those acute issues, but they feel the nagging feelings that you're talking about with regard to constant anxiety or, you know, they're awake at night and feel like, I don't know what I should do with my life or, you know, whatever I'm, this relationship maybe is, is it the right thing for me? Like all of that sort of stuff, if I can make it feel accessible and not too scary for people to crack the door open to some introspection. Ultimately, that's what I feel like I'm here to do. And to do it in a way that is like, matter of fact, like very, very approachable and like, hopefully from a different mouthpiece than people might be used to hearing these sorts of things. Um, That's what I feel like I can uniquely bring to people.
0: Yeah. Being that bridge person. I think too, I mean, I'm, 33, I know you're a couple of years older than I am. It's like if you've never looked at it and you have underlying anxiety, I think or what call it whatever you want to call it. I think for some people it's scary because you have to look at the fact that you may have built a lot of your life on some foundation that is going to take some deconstructing and reconstructing and doing things differently, which I think can be, you know if you've if you've built a nice foundation for yourself in your life and you're like, I'm actually not happy. And if I I address it or I say something about it, or I look at it like that's going to screw up the whole plan of where I've decided I'm going to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And I, I honestly, um, I believe that everybody's got to come to it on their own terms and you can't should just like, you can't should someone into like anything, like you can't should them into something like this too. So it needs to be coming from a place of genuine curiosity and interest I just think that if we can educate people to take the small steps to feel the temporary release, you know, from like a breathwork session or something like that, uh, maybe that allows them to, like you said, to be willing to take the scary step to say, okay, like uh, let me let me make this a priority, and I can start to see what it's like to let go because it doesn't all you don't have to blow up your life and move to Bali to do this work. I really believe that. I think that you can do you can do this work at home, you can do this work with your partner, you can do this work in a way that is not taking up 24 seven of your time. It's just like, if you start brushing your teeth and using the whitener every day for three months, like it's going to get your teeth are going to get whiter. And if you start, you know, doing a mindfulness practice of some kind, and being intentional about your mental health, in three months, you're going to feel better, even if it's just five minutes a day. So that's kind of how I'm hoping people can get to that point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great point. And yeah, sometimes if you're looking at the whole mountain trying to conquer it in a day, you're going to end up being like, well, that's okay. I'll do it tomorrow versus being like, okay, one small step today. What's one thing that I can do to make things uh, you know a little bit better? Um, so this question keeps popping into my head to ask you is what was your first breathwork experience like?
1: Yeah, uh first breath ring experience was uh in Brooklyn. It was uh I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I was like, this is just breathing, what the heck? This is kind of dumb. Um, but I had been told that it could be fun from a friend. And so, you know, I went and I lied down on the mat and I followed the instructions and um I was just completely blown away at how different I could feel from just altering the way that I breathe. And, you know, I had people next to me who were kind of crying and having all these different experiences. And, you know, for me, I just, um, I felt like my body finally got to be in control, if that makes sense. Or like a lot of times my mind is like running the show and, and my subconscious and my body are probably doing a lot, but it feels like my mind is fully there. And when you're doing breath work, it's literally taking the blood away from your prefrontal cortex and changing your physiology so that you're just way more in your body. And when you're in your body, you're able to feel the things that you need to feel so that the body can get back to its like homeostasis. And so, what I experienced in that first breath work was quite a range of different emotions and being able to afterwards feel like I had taken an emotional shower or something like that. I just felt like very clean and cleansed. And, and it was a full hour experience. It's pretty intense. It, probably didn't need to be that long. You know, I, I, could have just done a five or 10 minute session and, and felt, you know, the semblance of, of some of that stuff as well.
0: And that's what anchor or not anchor, um, other ship, the, the meditation or the breath work on there is a little bit shorter and a little, at least the ones that I've done, weren't the sort of like holotrophic breath work experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're, what we're building at Othership ship is um, a, a way to build a new mindfulness habit. So, um, you know, breath work is, it's within the umbrella of meditation, but it's uh, something that if you've tried to meditate and maybe had trouble sticking with the routine, uh, I think breath work is a really nice alternative because um, what breath work does is it gives you something to focus on for that, you know, five to 10 minutes that you want to meditate. And if you follow the instructions, as I said, you just feel completely different afterwards. And so we've created kind of like a headspace for breathwork. Imagine where we've got over 500 tracks and we have like songs ranging from two minutes all the way to an hour long. And what we do that's unique that I think is really important is we combine music with breathwork. And so it just imagine like listening to your favorite song, you know, you just kind of get into the rhythm, maybe you nod your head and like, probably you don't even realize it, but maybe you're breathing along to the beat. And so what we do is we just take really great music, we add breathwork facilitation on top of it. So you just lose yourself in song and you lose yourself in the experience. And then by the end, you're like, whoa, I feel completely different. And what's nice is we we divide the app up into different like ways where we've got some tracks that help give you energy. We have some tracks that help you fall asleep at night. We have like everything in between. And I think the goal of what we're doing is to try to like empower people to realize that they can change the way that they feel in their, in their hands at any moment. Right. So you can do five minutes of breath work and go from like, Oh, I don't want to do this big chunk of work. Ugh, I just want to watch TV and scroll Instagram to like, okay, Whoa, I'm ready. Let's do this. or, I my mind is so stressed. Uh, it's the end of the day. What am I going to do? I, I can't be present with my family. Okay, I'm going to do a track, another ship track. Let's let's just jump in. So, yeah. So that that's what we're trying to do with the the app at least.
0: Amazing. I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, oh man, I should have done that yesterday. I could have really used that. <laughs> yeah. I need to put little uh, reminders into my own brain, maybe into my phone to do it because I. Yesterday before I knew it I was like oh my god I've been scrolling Instagram for what feels like all day and I don't need to be doing this but obviously was uh you know needed to be distracted I guess in my own brain from some perspective so um I actually want to talk a little bit about anchor and your 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 business and so I'd love to know you had said a little bit of like getting into the entrepreneurial journey was big for you because we have a lot of people here who have passion driven businesses and things that they love doing, and sometimes are trying to figure out how to enter into that world. So, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience. You said you had won some entrepreneur events and stuff like that at, at Tough Mudder, but what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, it was scary. <laughs> it was really hard. Uh, you know, there's so many voices in your head that say, is this the right thing? is this the right time? Can I take the financial risk? What will people think? That was a big thing for me. It's like, what are people going to say about me? You know, as somebody who kind of spent a lot of time in high school being like, let's make sure certain people know certain things and certain people know others. Like you can't hide if you're out there and just putting yourself out there. And, and I think that, yeah, some of the things that I learned was that, um, At the end of the day, what I believe is that being an entrepreneur is not about the idea itself. It's about the muscle of knowing how to bring things to life. And so the only way that you can strengthen that muscle is to try things. And I now think of ideas almost as Things like, I used to feel such attachment to my early ideas and I'd be like, they're like my children and I can't do anything to hurt my children. It's like, well, okay, Um, actually, what if I instead take the mindset of like, how how do I prove this idea wrong as quickly as possible? And how do I MVP it in a way that I can gain learnings, determine whether it's right, and then move on to the next and just strengthen my muscle at, you know, Hey, let me do a launch on Product Hunt. I've never done that before. Or okay, let me just do um, create a Zoom app and like see like you know it's just like getting all these little experiences under your belt so that when you do find the idea or have the idea that works really well, you're you're prepared to be able to execute on it because I think ultimately I think Anchor is a great idea, but I in a lot of ways didn't know anything about how to execute on that idea in a way that was um getting it out to people, speaking to people about it in ways that they might understand it. Um yeah, there's so many lessons about entrepreneurship to to get into. Yeah.
0: Could be a whole three other podcasts out of this.
1: Probably. Probably. Yes.
0: And and and
1: I can't claim I'm an expert, but I'm I'm still learning.
0: So totally. I think for you know from my experience just experimenting and trying things out and being willing to quote unquote fail. Like you're saying, like, try, try your, try your ideas out and see what happens instead of being super attached to them or needing them to go a certain, a certain way, I think is huge. Cause there's, again, it's like, I can count. I've had so many failures, but each one has taught me something and just allowing myself to go out and play and try something out and see what comes of it and see if it sticks and, you know playing with i feel like the dreaded question of like what do you do especially being in this kind of world where it's like you know what do what do i do how do i describe mm-hmm. that to people you know what does that look like um has been such a journey so yeah just being willing to try things out and not not be afraid to have them not work out i think is is huge as well
1: yeah and i think um to to make it practical, I would say some things that, that I really enjoy are, um, one is there's this, there's this account on Twitter called visualize value, which uh, takes a lot of very great, um, entrepreneurial isms and puts them, creates a visual with it. And then what I do is there's actually a Chrome browser extension. So anytime I open up a new, uh, window, it has one of these isms in it and I can just sit with it, and be like, Oh, interesting. And it's like this good reminder to be in that entrepreneurial mindset. And then I would also say communities like day one and on deck, make it really easy to, um, meet other people in the same boat and to gain really rudimentary skills. And then the other thing that I found is, is more of a personal brand thing, but there's uh, a couple writing programs out there that are mostly on Twitter, but they're, um, there's a, there's one called ship 30, which allows people, you know, basically you commit to 30 days that you're going to write a little mini article on Twitter every day. And it just, it forces you to ship, even though it's not perfect. And it strengthens that muscle to say like, okay, I just have to write something. And there's an accountability group and there's other people. And it's like, it just, uh, if you are trying to figure out what you want to do or what your thing is, it also just forces you to like, do some really great journaling and and write some stuff and just be prolific which ultimately at the end of the day if you want to be successful in something you kind of need compound interest which is really yeah. just kind of doing doing the same thing over time and ultimately it'll probably go in the direction you want it to
0: amazing i love it i think those are great little uh tangible takeaways that people can can go and execute on too so that's amazing um can you tell everybody where they can find you and how they can connect with you outside of the podcast Sure.
1: Um, so you can find me on Twitter or Instagram uh, just with my name, Brian Von Anken. It's kind of an odd last name. So it's Brian with an I, B-R-I-A-N. And then the last name is Von Anken, V as in Victor, O-N-A-N-C-K-E-N. You can imagine I'm, it's awful when I call like customer service places. I have to spell my name 10 times. Um, so that's that's us. And then if you want to check out other ship. um, just, it's like Mothership, but Othership. It's on the App Store, Google Play. Um, you can head to the website, othership.us, if you want to check us out. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll send you a uh, link so that you can share with people. We'll get them two weeks free. You can try it. Um, and if you want to check out The Anchor, if you want to do a class there, it's theanchor.com, T-H-E-A-N-C-K-O-R.com. But um, yeah, always interested to, to talk to people and help out if I can on entrepreneurial stuff or finding your path. And I I usually typically on, uh, around the new year, I I offer some free, basically, I just, I just like to help people figure out their goals, um, in a way that is really easy. So I, I can do that, but, um, yeah, feel free to reach out.
0: Amazing. And we'll link everything below so that everybody can find you. And, um, I think I already have the link for two free weeks on other ships. So incredible. Thank you so much for being here. I feel like we should end on like, who is your favorite Trumbull High teacher? But I like can't even remember anybody's names. So we won't go Yeah, there.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I know. There's a lot. Uh, Mr. Banks was pretty great. He was an English teacher. I liked him, mm. but yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to
0: pull out dust off the yearbook.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. Good old Trumbull High.
0: Good old Trumbull High. All right, everybody. I hope this gives you some good reflection on your own high school experiences as we close out today. (laughs) And um, I'll see you all back here on the next episode of the podcast. Make it a great day. Hey, hey, thanks so much for being here and listening to this episode of the Waking Up with Jess podcast. If you liked today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do one of three things. Number one, leave a rating. Number two, leave a review. And number three, if you think it could help a friend out in need, go ahead and send it to them. I greatly appreciate your support when you rate the podcast or leave a review. It helps other awesome and amazing listeners such as yourself find the podcast. And I love people and I love friends and I love people's friends. So being able to spread the love through your network is another really great way to support people and to support the show. All right, y'all, make it a great day. And I will see you back here on the next episode of the Waking Up with Jess podcast.